The Giants drop another embarrassing loss. This one, a 34-10 decision to the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to break that game down. Plus, we're going to talk about this report by ESPN's Adam Schefter concerning Joe Judge and Daniel Jones returning in 2022. All that coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants. Your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and uh, 3410, folks. We're going to have to break it down. I'm sorry. I know nobody wants to hear about it. I don't really want to talk about it. I'm sure David Turner doesn't want to talk about it, but we've been doing it every uh, weekend. We don't have much more of these uh, post-game reviews to do, only uh, this one and then two more after that. So bear with us, folks. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And David... Where do we start? I mean, I, I feel like every week it's the same thing we're, we're talking about here. And I think, you know, the offense, I mean, you saw the numbers. You have the numbers in front of you. And I've got the game book in front of me. And I'm going to just quote a few numbers here, which just, I, I look at them and I'm like, this has to be a typo. All right. The Giants average 2.6 yards per offensive play. 2.6 how does that happen? <laughs> you almost have to be committed to it to make it that way, you know? Like, seriously, it's hard to do. That's hard to do, you know? So you almost got to be committed to do it that way. Committed to the crazy house, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, I mean, committed to screwing up so much. I mean, <laughs> when when I look at numbers like that, it's just when you look at the numbers, but then you watch the game, mm-hmm. it's not surprising the numbers were so low because the game plan was so bad. Um, and therefore it's just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me that it, it was that way. Those numbers were that way, you know? So you mentioned the game plan. What was the game plan? Cause I I'm looking at it and I'm like, they've got receivers. They're not really targeting them when, when the game is in reach, they're going more to the running backs. I mean, what was the game plan exactly on offense? Well, that's just it. They they had a young rookie quarterback. They let him check down a bunch. They never got the running game established. Again, Barkley had 15 touches, but only 32 yards. Um, no touchdowns. Booker had six touches. So, you know, the reality is I think they ran the ball all together with running backs, not quarterback scrambling or anything. But with running backs, I think they only ran it 22 times and for under 70 yards. So, you know, when you look and then you look at the passing game, Booker was targeted four times. Penny was targeted four times. Um, Barkley was targeted one time. And some of these targets, like when they say like Tony, Tony was targeted nine times. It was all second half and scrap time and everything. It wasn't the first half. If you watch the first half, everything was to running backs, whether they were lined up in the backfield or they were spread out. Everything was going to a running back, which gave no threat to that defense of going deep on them, 
Ingram, they say he was targeted five times. He caught four with one touchdown. You know, I don't, I didn't really notice or feel his presence again. Rudolph had one target today. Um, it's just like, come on. Like, they, like I, I don't want to sit here week after week bashing him, but like I said, Freddie's a play caller. He's not a game planner. And today was, he got really nervous about having Fromm in there. The play calls he called were very conservative. They got to halftime with a 3-3 tie. They were like, okay, cool. We get the ball back in the second half, and then turnovers happened, and, you know, hiccups happened. And what did he do? He pulled the young kid out, and he put in Glennon, which we all know is a mistake. And what didn't work the last three weeks, right? So making a decision like that to me is just a poor decision. And, um, you know, Glennon, interception threw the scrap time touchdown to Ingram late. And then, but he was still, you know, 17 for 27. He, he wasn't on fire here. Wasn't like a stellar performance by him either. I mean, all together they had between him and from, they had 23 completions and was it 54 attempts run the ball 26 <laughs> times, 54 times passing. Hmm. Yeah. Balance. 44 times passing 27 times. <clears throat> excuse me, running. Uh, and let's see, Glennon had two rushes from three. So, so yeah, 22, if you take it that way. So, basically, how much of this was a result of the young quarterback? I mean, everybody kept saying, from, 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 let's see what he can do. Was he ready for this, do you think? Or, you know? No. <laughs> I didn't think this so. This kid been in the building 10 days, and we're going to start him? But, you know, these are Hail Mary's coaches and organizations throw this time of year. And part of it, it's cool to know what you got. All right. But I, would I have done it with from this week? No. Would I have done it with him maybe next week? Yeah. Because then we gave him enough time to have a core 75 plays probably that he knew and can roll with. Okay. But it's a new, new language. I mean, think about going, think about getting. Telling yourself you're going to go to Italy in 10 days and you're going to know. He's actually been Italian. in the building for a month. They signed him right around Thanksgiving, I thought. No, so, from, I think this is only his third game in the building. I really do. I might be wrong, he, but I'm he, pretty right, sure. So Dan, Daniel, he came in, I think, around the time Miami. So Miami, Dallas. I'm sorry, Miami, Chargers, Dallas. This would be his fourth game. So he's been here about a month, but your point about 10 days might apply to the number of practices he's actually had, which, you know, if you consider they, they practice like really, you know, they have a walkthrough and then they have two solid practices. That would, that's where that time frame I think would align. I would think. But also he hasn't, he hasn't been taking all the starter reps, you know, True. he's only, and, and you know, the first, you got to scrap the first, say six practices. Cause he's just trying to figure out his teammates and where people are. And then last game they threw him in and he, you know, the defenses were playing base defense backed off because there was already a lead. And so, you know, he had wide open lanes and different things this week. They game planned a little bit for him. They, you know, said, here we go. And you know, I, again, it's not fair to him what they did to him. I do believe that, you know, if they gave him maybe this week to practice and then started him next week, it would have been better off. 
because it's just knowing a whole new language, whole new system, whole new, you know, keys to where people are being open and all that stuff. It's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it's not the same. Yeah. And, and the receivers, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, if I had told you Kenny Galladay would have no touchdowns after 16 weeks of the NFL season, you probably wouldn't have believed me. I mean, but yet that's where we are with him. And, you know, just from what I could tell on, you know, in watching the game, at times they were getting open. They weren't getting open with regularity, but there were some instances where they were getting open and the quarterbacks either didn't have the time to hit them or they just, they missed them flat out. And, you know, just in looking at this, you know, how much of this is, on the play of the quarterback, how much of this is just, you know, the game plan or, you know, where does the bulk of the, 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 uh, blame lie in this case? Well, it sounds like a broken record offensive line because I mean, most of the today he was under fire. I mean, there's a few times it just looked like a straight jailbreak. There's a couple of times when guards were just getting, you know, put on roller skates, looking like they were on the ice skating rink, pushed right into his lap. He has, he has stuff in traffic around his feet. You know, he has trash around his feet. Can't, like, step into a pocket. Can't, you know, he moves around the pocket a little bit, and he escapes. But it's not like he's got a clean pocket to throw from. Then pair, you know, the cream puff got hurt, and they had to put somebody else in. And so it was just like, okay, now you're playing with, like, your third offensive tackle. You know, fourth. Sorry, your fourth. Soldiers was out, and then cream puff went out. So, yeah, you had your fourth offensive tackle playing and and it was just like, you know, this kid's on. And, and they still they still only block with five. I only counted about seven pass dropbacks today. They kept six in the block. And that's what blows my Evan love and mind. And if it was my show, there'd be other words coming out of my mouth. But it's yours. And I love you. So I'm not saying them. But uh, it does. It blows my mind that offensive coordinators are they, they don't game plan for six protection anymore. Six and seven. I mean, again, <laughs> you have Tony back today. You have Galladay. You had uh, Ingram. You had Slayton. You, you had plenty of weapons. on. You had Rudolph. You have plenty of weapons on offense to send out into the route, three into the route. I mean, freaking. I was watching the Rams game a little bit. They do two-person routes all the time. And they just work a side of the field, two-person route, and they make easy completions. You know, they run three-person routes and easy completions. And if, if you can't figure it out, that's play calling. Protections aren't the quarterback. Protections aren't the receivers. The, the call for protections comes from the sideline. So if they're not blocking with six and seven, that's a, that's a game plan. And for be 16 weeks in and for – you and I to be sitting here on our mics for 16 weeks and even into the preseason saying the offensive line is going to need some help. And doesn't matter now. We've seen Freddie Kitchens call for what, four or five weeks. And we had Jason Garrett before that. Neither one of them are committed to blocking with six. And it's just baffling because these quarterbacks are back there running for their lives. But yeah, we're not going to give him any help with extra pack. No, 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 no extra. And then you watch other teams do it, and it works because the quarterback got time. The Chiefs today, there was one play where they blocked with six. They reported an offensive lineman, blocked with six, and Mahomes was in the pocket. It seemed like forever 
because nobody got to him. The receiver ran his route, went improv, and they scored a touchdown. He throws a touchdown to Pringle. And I'm sitting there, and I went back, and I rewinded my TV. I'm like, was that really six? Let me look. Yep, blocked with six, held the line. They rushed five, but they, they were all picked up. No big deal. And it worked perfectly. But What know. a novel concept, blocking with six. Especially or you want to, yeah, or you want to improve the run game, checking an offensive lineman. I don't know. Maybe there's a team that did that a few weeks ago and won the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> they only threw six passes and they won the game. Yeah. I but wonder 89% of the pass, uh, plays from scrimmage had six offensive linemen. Hmm. I wonder who that team was. Must maybe be some fly by coach that we've never heard of before. Yeah. One that judge didn't work for forever, you know? Yeah. Don't but you talk, know, talk about learning I, I from look- the professor. I don't know. You know, I look, I look at the, I'm looking at the ball possession and drive chart now. And in the second half, the Giants offense had, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven drives. I'm sorry. Was it, was it the giant offense or the, yeah, it was the Giants offense. And my goodness, out of the seven drives, one, two, three, four, four of them were three or less plays. Mm-hmm. And the scoring drive was eight plays, I think. The scoring, Well, they have 17 for the scoring drive. I don't think that's right, though. I, I don't know that that's right, but they have it, have it as a... Let me see. They have that as a 17-play drive, but I'm pretty sure... I don't remember that, the Giants having a 17-play drive. I don't remember it either, but yet they have it on the <laughs> game book as being 17 plays, 75 yards. Okay. I'd Maybe I nodded look. off there for a few of them. Maybe because uh, <laughs> I I was like wow, actually no here I am looking at it, it was a seventeen play drive here it is right here seventeen plays seventy five yards two penalties six twenty nine it took oh that's right they had the two penalties that at the end yeah, yeah. With, yeah, yeah with the touchdown drive to to Ingram yep but yeah uh, so. again yeah like you said four of the seven are three and outs one was a scoring drive of seventeen plays and then you know what was it they got a garbage time you know touchdown. Right. Ingram. So, right. and that was Honestly. a double. That was a throw. He had to throw that pass twice. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, Built Bar is going all out to make this holiday season the most delicious time of the year with a winter wonderland of a deal. Featuring new flavors such as the Built Crave Bars and their amazing puffs in ruby chocolate and lemon dipped cheesecake. These and Built's other amazing flavors are available right now. And when you use our special promo code LOCKED15, you can save 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Customize your box any way you want and save 15% on any of the products you choose with the code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com. Now, let me turn to the defensive stats here. I'm just going to flip the page here. We've got two pages here. All right, so on the defense, what jumped out at me, and let's see if you agree with me on this, the top four tacklers on the Giants and I'm going to read them off to you, and you tell me what they all have in common. <laughs> Julian Love, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Jaron Williams. What do all four of those guys have in common? I believe they all play in the backfield. Okay. But tell Bradbury, me I, if you look at it, I think Bradbury's number five. So I think Bradbury, the top No, five. actually, Leonard Williams is five. Take Crowder. Oh. Bradbury's number seven. 
I have right, Bradbury so on my list that I have here. He's number five, so I'm sorry. All right, so the point being, your top four tacklers are all from the defensive secondary. Yes. That's not good, is it? No, it's awful. Like last <laughs> week we were talking about the defensive front and how they shared responsibility and they did well up front. And they were, you know, you got a little here and a little there. Today, now the first half being the first half, they did well. Let's just give our guys credit. The first sure. half defense you did really well now you know now we also got a state we got to put an asterisk here the eagles had about six drops in the first half Mm -hmm. that hit receivers dead on in hands that if they got those completions we might not be giving you a kudos bar right now Mm -hmm. but seeing that they dropped them we're giving you a kudos bar for the first half because you know what you only gave up three points you you played really nice defense. It was it was it was fun to watch. Then the second half happened, and they rattled off. Was it thirty one straight points or something like that in the second half? Something like that. Let's I know the this. the third quarter went seventeen points, and they got another two touchdowns. Thirty four. Yeah, it was or thirty one. You're right because it was yeah. it was three three, and then they rattled off. They went to thirty one. So you're right. And by did you know? <clears throat> In the long history of Giants Eagles games, it's the first time it ever went to the half three three tie. No, I didn't. Oh yeah, it's the first mm-hmm. time it ever went to the half three three tie. And they have uh-huh. like a hundred and something plus games that they've played against mm-hmm. each other. Did it's the not first know time. that. You know, I'm I'm full of useless knowledge. Just let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the top five tacklers or four tacklers, like you said, were all back. You know, in the back end, six of the top or five of the top six were all back end guys. And that's just, you're never going to win a game that way. You, you, your linebackers don't start showing up till late in the, in the, you know, count here. And then you also, you know, your, your old Jalari only had two tackles, one assist, I think. So, you know, sack wise, I don't think we sacked them all day. Uh, one oh, sack, no, we did. We got Carter. Carter. Carter got yeah. yeah that's right. But wait, I'm going to give you another stat that just absolutely blows my mind. There's a big old goose egg in tackles for loss. What? That, I mean, were, were the deep, the front seven, were they getting off blocks? Were they penetrating? We, Zero? We Come didn't, on. again, like I said last week, we rolled up coverage and we seemed to press better and then we played more aggressive, right? This week, it seemed like we went back to the old bendo break crap that drives me nuts um, and we weren't blitzing. I didn't see one A-gap mug. The whole game, I didn't see like last week. Remember, they walked up the uh, the a gap mugs and then they brought the outside guys. I didn't see that defense once today, hmm. once, and it worked beautifully last week, right? I mean, they got pressure twice last week, and with one being a sack. This week, they didn't do it at all, and so I'm just like, you know, Graham, why aren't you sticking with what works for you, which is pressure defense, walk up and play press, like. It's, it, you know, it works for you. Just do it. You got, you got two games left, man. You got two games left. Just roll the coverage up and blitz. You ain't going to the playoffs. You ain't, you, you're going to be home, you know, soon enough. So just roll it up and let's play some tough. Don't cross this line football. But no, you know, we played that Ben don't break crap again in the first half. They got into the red zone. They played really good. They played really good in the red zone. I'm going to give them their kudos for the first half. 
Second half, though. Whew. Yep, three of six. The Eagles were were three of six in the red zone for the game. So I don't know what it – actually, wait. I can look it, look it up for the halftime. Let me just see. But I think you're right. Um, <clears throat> in the red zone, they were 0 of 2. Yeah, absolutely. Big difference. They held – they also held Philly to 60 yards rushing on 12 attempts. Hertz was 7 of 17, but, you know, again, he had all the drops. And no receiver uh, – let's see, the long was Smith with that 46-yarder. So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles, you know, they were hurt by the drops, but the defense, they came to play. And then I think in the second half, they started – the Giants' defense started to get maybe tired out because they were on the field a lot. You know, it's interesting because – the Giants won the time of possession. It was like 30, 39 to, to 29, whatever. The Giants just barely won the time of possession, but it seemed like they weren't out on the field a whole lot, especially in the second half. Well, and also those turnovers at the end of the game, the interceptions, I know they got the one that was interception for a touchdown by one of the defenders, right? The linebacker um, for the Eagles. And then they had another one picked off, right? So, yeah, I mean, and that put their their – offense right in scoring position you know and stuff so yeah you know <clears throat> when your defense is picking the ball off and running in for touchdowns the other guys get the ball back a little faster but you know again i time of possession is time of possession but for the eagles they they played on tuesday night they roll into the giant or the, the giants roll into their town right and and you're on sunday so you know four or five days later how much do they have time to practice and prepare and get ready for you? And the Giants didn't look prepared. They didn't look ready on offense. They didn't look poised, right? Special teams gave up that long return mm. to Raider right up the gut, right up the gut. That was a bad punt. My God, a couple bad punts. Yeah. I mean, Dixon can't be this punt, this team's punter next year. I'm sorry. He just can't. No, it's uh, we, we, we've, we've talked about that. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it needs to be addressed. Yes. But that all being said is like, you know, you're getting a team that's tired. And in the first half, you were able to do some, you know, hold them on defense, but your offense just couldn't get anything rolling. So, yeah, that wears you out. And it frustrates the defense again because the defense is, we're playing hard. We're keeping them. We're keeping them. We're holding them, you know, get some points on the board, boys. And then they come out of halftime and they, you know, Giants get the ball and they do nothing with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It's deflating. It's it's upsetting, and it, and it's been an all year, not an all year thing, because the defense. I will say the defense only over the last few weeks has been playing really well. Prior to that, we were on here giving we weren't giving them kudos bars either. We were taking them apart. So yeah, I think they were tired. They're frustrated, and you know I think there's a little quit in this dog right now. Yeah, even though Joe denies that. I mean, well, Joe's never going to come out and say that he didn't see the effort. But I saw a couple plays like. The one guy, um, uh, Denard, on that punt that rolled into the end zone, it's, it's like he stood there and he kind of gave up on it. And his teammates came up and they're like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, you saw like, that immediately. All They all oh turned to him with hand, like what I call a hands-up pose, palms yeah. up. Like, what are you they doing? They all palms up to him. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, exactly. run through and knock this thing back. That's your job. I saw I, I saw a couple business decisions being made on offense. I, I'm sitting there going – don't sit there and tell me that this team gave a hundred percent effort when my eyes, you know, which are, you know, I'm going to trust my eyes faster. Didn't sure. Didn't look like it, but uh, I didn't see Saquon much in the fourth quarter. 
No, they took him out actually because he was nicked up. Sa- mm. Saquon is just. He's I didn't not see Saquon. him or Booker much in the fourth quarter. I saw a lot of Penny in the fourth. So I saw some Booker, but that's yeah. all I'm saying is like, I'm noticing a few early hooks as well. Hey, Giant fans, it's the most wonderful time of the year in sports. As college football gets ready for its bowl season, the NFL, NFL playoff rates starts to take shape. And of course, the NBA and NHL are in full swing. And no matter what sport you like, Bet Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKED ON. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. Visit betonline.ag today and get your 50% welcome bonus with the code locked on. All right. So stats aside, we got to talk about this ESPN uh, report. I want, cause I want to get your take on this now for those. And I'm sure a lot of people know about this by now, but if you don't know, those of you who are listening or watching, Adam Schefter reported that Giants ownership is leaning towards retaining Joe Judge and Daniel Jones for 2022. There are also swirling rumors that are picking up that Dave Gettleman will not be back in 2022. Now, this was reported before the Giants lost 34-10 to the Eagles. A lot of people now are looking at this game that the Giants played and saying, how in God's name can the Giants justify keeping Joe Judge when it's the same stuff week after week, the same ineptness, the same mistakes, the same, you know, lack of preparedness or, or the same results. What's your theor- thinking on this? I mean, y- you and I were talking before we started recording and you were talking about the math and, and you started to make a really good point. And I said, save it for the show. So why don't you tell people about the math and um, your thoughts on that? Anybody who listens to my show or listens to me on other shows, they know I, I believe in certain types of math. And I have a draft math that things don't add up, right? When we did all our draft shows, I talked about the draft math all the time. Mm-hmm. This is organizational math, and it doesn't add up to keep the coach and the quarterback and then let the GM go. <laughs> because now you're going to make a decision on bringing in a general manager or promoting a general manager that you feel can work with this coach that person is going to receive a three to four year contract. And now at the end of next year, if you're getting rid of Joe, are you going to allow this new general manager to name the new head coach, or are you going to get rid of everybody and start a clean? The reason why you would keep Joe and Daniel through next year is because of the contract on the rookie con uh, the rookie contract. You can just not pick up his fifth year option and next year will be like his last year. Right. So, boom, clean, I get it. Keep the kid. If you have to draft another one, you only have him on one-year deal. It's kind of what they like they did with Drew Brees and Rivers out in San Diego. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't really sold on Brees. So they got rid of him after that. Then he wound up tearing it up that year. <laughs> and, and it was a great year for him. But, again, I get it. But if you don't – if you keep the coach – and you get rid of the general manager and you bring in somebody that you feel will work with the, with uh, him and it doesn't work out, 
the math adds up poorly because now you're making a bunch of changes for a one-year, let's see if we can make this work, versus if you're really not sold on the coach long-term, I'm talking like give him extension-style long-term, and and picking up the fifth-year option on the quarterback, if you're not sold on these guys for that, the math doesn't work out. You might as well just keep everybody in the building and let them just and tell them to play nice and let's go, you know, figure it out, boys. You all got one year to figure it out. Put them all in the hot bath together and see if they if they can, you know, make it a jacuzzi or or if they're or if they're floating at the end of the season, you know, and that's really what it is. Changing one part of the puzzle isn't going to solve this puzzle. No. You know, and so and when you're adding up the math that way, it doesn't make sense. And now they might not be ready to get rid of the coach because of coaches contracts and payouts and things. So like, Oh, it's better just to have him one more year. So we don't have him on the books. Again, you're not sold on him. That's a business decision. So your, your math isn't adding up for wins. And then like you were saying this year's draft, it's looking like with the bears pick and their pick, they're going to wind up with two top 10 picks. Now, if we go and draft offensive linemen for their system, right and a pass rusher for their system, and now they're out next year, it's going to be like what happened with Jerry Reese. When Jerry Reese signed a bunch of free agents to fit the 43 defense under Coughlin, right? And then they get rid of Coughlin, bring in Shermer, and Shermer brings in that joke of a freaking uh, defensive coordinator who wants to run a 34 front and convinced everybody in the building that he was going to run a 40, but I was out here. I watched the idiot in, in Arizona. He runs a 34 front. So... Now you have all these free agents and high-priced people that you've put into place to solve those problems on the 43 defense. You're switching over to a 34, and it took them two to three years to figure that out and get the right personnel in, and they're still adding pieces to that to really get it humming right. People don't realize it's not a quick changeover when you're changing schemes and things. So if you go and make the the decision to keep Joe – And like I said, you're not making it so hard that you're giving them an extension and you're not making the commitment to Daniel making the extension happen. Then you have the potential to screw up the draft math coming up this year. And again, the draft math is really good in pass rushers. There's a couple good DBs, not a lot of them, but but there's some good offensive linemen. So you don't really want to screw this up because that'll set you back in the future even more. And there's a few things that I would say is if you're not, if you're going to keep the coach, just keep the band together and tell everybody, look, this is the way it is for, you know, and and I, I know I sound like a Homer, but if anybody knows what giants players look like, Dave Gettleman knows what giants players look like. He's lit. He's lived in that building for freaking over 20 years almost now. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like he knows what a Giants player looks like. He screwed up with the offensive line. But you give him those draft picks that he accumulated this year, and he went and got them. He made the trade back. He brought that equity into the building. You let him apply it and finish his plan off, this team could be dangerous next year. Now, I don't know about the coaching because I'm not a fan of the coaching, but I'm saying if you're not going to blow up the whole building, it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up to just get rid of the GM. Well, let me throw this at, at you because this isn't something that a lot, of, you know, you speak of the coaching. So let's say Joe says to himself, self, 
I don't think I can go forward with Freddie as my offensive coordinator. Let's say Patrick Graham gets a job offer, okay? How are they going to attract a decent offensive coordinator and decent defensive coordinator who's going to want to come here knowing that there's a possibility that this head coach could be on a one-year make-it-or-break-it type of deal? I mean, I don't see how that would work. Do you? I don't. And again, I don't, last year, I thought Graham had more of a uh, a run ability to get a job. But so far, the jobs that are open this year, which being Vegas and um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, and then you look at possibly the, Houston will be open, possibly, possibly the Chicago, Houston. Chicago. And, you know, there's a couple others that are, are there, but they I don't may or may not be open. Yet. May or may not. But those Houston and in Chicago are getting a lot of chatter, right? Mm -hmm. So with four more than likely happening positions open, I don't know if, and again, you want, if as a coach, you want to go on a two-year to three-year contract. So if if he's going to bring in a new defensive coordinator, right, that new coordinator is going to come for a minimum of a two-year deal. He's not coming for a maximum. And like you said, the, the the ones that don't have to leave a job, like Graham, he didn't have to leave Miami to come to New York, right? But he chose to come to New York to work with his friend. And, yes, he got a pay bump, but that was a choice. Those kind of choices won't be happening when they know they could be on the street next year if things don't work out. So, It'll be uh, it, it would be an interesting replacement situation. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I just don't know how they can keep Freddie. I mean, I would as an ownership again, I'd be like, listen, Bubba. I, I can't let you keep Freddie as the OC next year. You know, I'll keep you as a coach, but we can't have Freddie in the building. I mean, he's just yeah. I mean, you see him on the sidelines and the players aren't even looking at him like the players aren't even looking at him. You know, when a player stops giving you eye contact, that's bad. The body language is not good, and it wasn't good in Cleveland, and now we're seeing it again not really good here in New York. So take it for what you is. Watch the last couple of weeks, Giants fans, and pay attention to the, how the players are interacting with Freddie because it's not cuddly. It's not like, oh, thank God, Freddie's calling plays now. Let's go. You know, it's not that way. Gosh, what a mess. What an absolute mess. And, you know, the other thing, and I haven't even touched on it, is the salary cap's a mess. So, you know, I, it's interesting because I always believe, and, and I've said this before on the show, that when you bring in a new quarterback, you want to make sure your house is in order. You want to make sure you have a good offensive line. You want to make sure you have receivers. You want to make sure you have a running game. You want to make sure you have a good offensive scheme in place. With a new GM, you know, if they're leaning towards bringing in somebody new, which, again, it looks like is going to be the case. Yeah, they've got these great this great draft offering, but the salary cap's a mess. They're like nine million, an estimated nine million in the hole. All right. And this is this is for the top 51, by the way, which starts on the first day of the new league year. So that means they're going to have to cut guys that maybe Joe wants to keep. And I just don't see how this is going to work because Joe always sits there and says, well, I want to keep every guy, you know, I want to keep Jabril Peppers. I want to keep this guy, that guy, Joe, you can't keep them all. The cap's not going to allow you to. So now, you know, if you get into a, 
you know, a, a, a match with the, the GM. Well, I want to keep this guy. Well, sorry, Joe, we can't keep him because we can't afford him. I, I just don't know how this would work. I mean, obviously, I think the answer would be if Dave does retire, you push Kevin Abrams up. But I'm not so sure. And, you know, I, I, look, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, just so everybody's clear. But I would have questions about Kevin's scouting ability. I would have questions about his ability to do more than just manage the cap. You know, just how involved has he been in? What are some examples of some some of the personnel decisions he's made? Because right now, I can't honestly say that I can get on board with Kevin Abrams. And, you know, it's nothing personal. I'm sure he's a, a delightful person. But I can't get on board with that possibility of him serving as a stopgap GM while they try and figure out, okay, how can we make things better moving forward? And, oh, hey, if we don't make everything better, everybody's out at the end of the year. That, to me, just means you're delaying the inevitable. You're setting the franchise back, not one year, but potentially three years, because like you said, you, it, it takes a while for a new coach to kind of, you know, take root. Giant, that, giant fans deserve better. I mean, they've had, what, 10 years now of crappy football? And now you're asking them, well, let's take this leap of faith and hope that, you know, everybody can figure it out next year. And then if it doesn't, oh, well, we'll take a leap of faith because we're going to reset everything and we'll start in, you know, just another two years. I'm sorry. If I'm a Giant fan, no, that's not acceptable. I realize, you know, you have no say what John and, and Steve decide to do is it, but it's just not acceptable in my opinion. Let me let me put a couple of those um, fears behind you. Kevin Abrams is one of the most intelligent cap guys, as I'm putting my quotes up, mm-hmm. that you'll ever meet. When I was when I was in the building back in 2003 and 2004, mm-hmm. Kevin watches tape. Kevin writes scouting reports. Kevin puts his his reports in the system. He's not hiding that he's, you know, he back then he wasn't hiding that he wasn't a scout. He put him in there to see how he would do and have great and Jerry and Dave would teach him. Mm-hmm. And that's been 18 years now. Kevin's been doing it. So when Kevin looks at a player, he knows what it looks like. Don't give I mean, he might he might not be. I don't know, because I haven't talked ball with Kevin in a while. Kevin and I talk about personal stuff when we talk, you know, families and marriages and divorces and things and how are you doing, bud? How's your health? You know, we, 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 we've morphed past just the business, right. And our friendship. Um, but Kevin is an intelligent individual and he wouldn't be a stop stop gap. They've been grooming him since Ernie was there to eventually rise up and be the guy. Um, he's, you know, like I said, he's extremely intelligent. He knows how to manage everybody in the building. He's got a very good temperament. He's very peaceful person to be around. So he knows how to listen really well and then apply what he's, what he's heard. Now he's never been in number one seat where you have to appease everybody every day. And, and also be the person that says, no, you don't get your way today, but still make them work hard for you. It's hard. You know, I remember when I was in the seat up in uh, Canada as a CFL team and my I was assistant general manager and the general manager was having a hard time making cuts. I knew exactly what cuts I would make. And at one point he looked at me and he's all, what would you do? And I told him 
He goes, this is easy for you. I said, but it's not my ass on the line. So it's got to be, you got to be comfortable with whatever we decide because you're the one in the press conference. You're the one who now has his face out there. So we'll sit here as long as you need to, you know, make the, we'll, we'll, we'll cut this jigsaw puzzle as way, any way you want to make it work. And at one point I text Dave and I said, Hey Dave, what do you tell the coaches when, uh, when we're in cut down day, what do you tell the coaches? He's all, you can't pay them all. And at some point they got a coach. So, you know, that's the reality is like every coach wants, you know, top of the line, everything, but there's always going to be a deficiency on every single team. And whoever that position coach is, whoever that coordinator is, they have to coach around it. There's no perfect teams. There's never been a perfect team ever created, you know, you just got to coach your way out of it. And that's what separates a lot of them. So, you know, for me, if they rise, if they raise up and give Kevin the, the title, it's not a stopgap. It's it's something that's been in the works for a long time, and I believe that he could do the job. I really do. And it, it would be interesting to see how he structures around him if he were to keep, you know, guys like Sternfeld and Pettit in place or if he would say, hey, it's time to move on. I'm bringing other people in that I've known that I want to work with from around the league or if he keeps the, you know, keeps the camp all intact. I don't know the answer to that. I haven't been in the building for years. Um, and like I said, Kevin, and I talk about a lot of other stuff. We don't talk about that, you know. Um, but like I said, the math doesn't make sense. I would either clean house, keep the quarterback for one more year, bring in another offensive coordinator, which, again, that's not helping Daniel Jones. Think about it. He got drafted. What, Shermer was his offensive coordinator? And then they bring in um, Garrett. Who they, Garrett. Mm-hmm. And then now that he's Freddy. got Freddie, so he's got three in three years, right. That he's had to work with. Now they're going to bring in a fourth and you know that if they do it, they're going to bring in a fourth and that doesn't help a young kid's career and his confidence, always having to relearn and redo and do new offenses. You know, it's not easy. You find success and consistency and that's not it. Right. That's, that's not it. So, um, you know, I, I don't see Kevin as a stopgap. I think, and I do think he knows talent. I think he knows how to grade it. Now, I think he would also be humble enough to say, "I'm not like you know one of us where we we watch it and it, we live it, we soak it in." But we can't. We would look at Kevin too and be like, "I can't manage the cap like you." Like I don't know what to put in paragraph five versus this. Like I know what it all is. Like I understand it in my head. Like when Kevin tells me about it, I'm like, "Okay, yeah." Oh, the bonus has to be written this way. Got it. Okay. But he knows those nuances, right? See, player nuances is what we've been studying for 30 years or 20 years or whatever it's been. So we know those, but he's smart enough to listen. That's one thing I love about Kevin. I'm a fiery, hot blooded Italian. Right. And then Kevin, he listens and he, he absorbs it. He can filter through a passionate conversation with conviction in your voice to a very soft, calm one. Like I've been in the room and listened to some stuff. Uh, where it was passionate arguments and Kevin was the cool head. And, you know, that's to, to me, he is, a, he is a very capable individual. It's probably, he's probably already should have been a GM at this point. Well, we'll see. We'll find out probably in a couple of weeks, the season finally will come to an end. Our misery will come to an end. And then we will turn our attention to, cleaning up the mess and where they go from here. So uh, there'll be plenty more to talk about, I'm sure. 
but um, these well, the landscape will be interesting too the next two weeks because of the new rule. Yes, that too. Yes, you're right. Because see, if the Bears go and make their move in the next say 24 hours, they can start Zoom interviewing candidates next week. Mm-hmm. And same with Houston. And so, if some of these dominoes start to fall it will force other teams to start catching up. This is why I say there should be a two-week hiring freeze at the end of every NFL season so everybody has enough time to make decisions with cooler heads and nobody's losing out on the race. Like, we're all starting at the same point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the way they chose to go. They chose to go with, let's have a rat race and start tampering with everybody's mm-hmm. coaches the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you know, whatever. It's not It'll bad be interesting. It'll But be we'll interesting. see. Because, again, yep. if... Like you said, Shefty, was it Shefty? Shefty, yeah. Yeah, he, his report came out before this game. And then next week, if they go lay another egg like this one, what and and these teams have fired coaches, right? What will John Marin Stish be seeing Tish be singing next week? Because now if they if they're on the fence, they don't know. <laughs> they got to make a move because these other teams are already out in front of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting two weeks. Um, Giants out of the playoffs, but look, a lot of work to be done and uh, we'll be here. We'll be uh, tracking it. You know, once these games are done, I'm sure we'll, we'll get together and we'll have some shows breaking down what needs to be done and how to approach it and all that stuff. And then uh, we'll roll into the senior ball and all that other good stuff. So lots, lots of stuff coming up. David, as always, appreciate the time. Giant fans, appreciate you for tuning in. Don't forget tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. Get those questions in to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. That's in the show notes. And uh, we'll get them out and answered to for you so all right for david turner i'm patricia trainer thank you so much for making the locked on giants podcast your first listen of the day or your first watch of the day and we will talk to you tomorrow